Welcome once again to the Good Confessions podcast, where three friends and pastors talk about their favorite confession, the Westminster Confession of Faith. My name is John the Cruz. I pastor Community Presbyterian in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It is very bright outside right now from the haze reflecting off the 20 inches of snow that we have outside or something like that. And I've lost count. I have a uh, yard sign um, that invites people to church, it has our logo on it, it says come worship with us, um, all that, and you can't see it anymore. So that's, it's at least that high. Um, I don't know if the same is true for you up, up north. I'm imagining is that we've got Shane uh, Bennett, who's just 45 minutes north of me in Grand Rapids, who ministers at Reformation OPC. How's it going, Shane? You surviving? Going well. Starting to, when I have to shovel the driveways, starting to be above my waist that I'm throwing. So there you go. Yeah. And then we all feel terrible. We really are, <laughs> our, our, our um, condolences go out to Andrew in frigid Virginia and their three snowplows. Uh, how are you doing there in Fredericksburg, Andrew? Uh, we're trying to stay warm. I mean, it's, we're doing the best we can. There's about an inch of snow you pour and then it, it's actively sleeting right now. You know, it, it, this is the winter that never ends. I feel like it's yeah. Mm-hmm. First you have the pandemic and then it's like ne- eternal winter. Oh, always it's winter, like, but never Christmas. Never Christmas. Yeah. It's like Narnia. We're stuck in Narnia. Hey, at least we're not Texas and we have power. It's true. It's and there. we can uh, it, do our podcast over Zoom, which we need power for. So that's great. Uh, well, we're glad you're tuning in. Uh, and we're picking up our conversation on the uh, providence of God from chapter five of the Western Confession of Faith. Let me read section four, which I imagine is going to take up a, a big chunk of our time uh, because there's so much rich um, and let's just be honest, confounding and confusing theology uh, packed into this uh, paragraph. Section four of chapter five, the almighty power unsearchable wisdom and infinite goodness of God so far manifests themselves in his providence that it extends itself even to the first fall and all other sins of angels and men. And that not by, a, and that not by a bare permission, but such as has joined with it a most wise and powerful bounding and otherwise ordering and governing of them in a manifold dispensation to his own holy ends. Yet so, as the sinfulness thereof proceeds only from the creature and not from God, who being most holy and righteous, neither is nor can be the author or approver of sin. Woo! I think, uh, uh, yeah, plenty for us to talk about. I think there's I, I, there's distinct kind of subsections of, of this um, paragraph, so I want to lead us through that. First, uh, what do we make of the fact that uh, this this confession is teaching us that God's power, wisdom, and even his goodness are manifested um, even in the first uh, sin of mankind, and indeed every sin, uh, in the sense that, that, that sin is not, ex- um, is not exempt from God's providence, that God's providence even extends um, to those actions as well. Andrew, what do we make of that? Yeah, there's a scene in C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy in the book Paralandra where you know, it's a really an interesting setup because it's a main character who's on this other planet as human history is really unfolding on another place. And so he's trying to stop the fall. And then he realizes at one point, even if I can't stop this, God has a plan. God will work things out for his good. And uh, I, I, he, he realized in that moment that he had freedom, that it wasn't up to him. And uh, I've always loved that scene, you know, because it gets at you know, human beings are responsible and yet God is sovereign here and he's, he's good. Um, you know, I just, there's, uh, oh, go ahead. 
I, I uh, this section makes me think of uh, Les Landfair's The Calvinist Movie. Have you guys seen that? Uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. No, it's it's worth seeing. Um, well, Carrie Ann actually, Carrie Ann actually um, filmed some of the interviews in it, but we haven't seen it yet. Really? <laughs> yeah, she she did the one with Godfrey. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to tell folks that because um, we we've, we've watched it a couple times as sort of an outreach. But um, there's a scene where they do a clip of John Piper talking about Genesis 50 and Joseph, and you know, it says God meant it, God, and he's he's almost like stuttering in that clip. Uh, God meant it. God meant it. You know, he's emphasizing that God is the one behind all this, even though human beings are, are agents and active. Um, yeah. And that's really I, what the confession is getting at as well, isn't it? I think so. I, before that, though, I think it's important just to note that um, Andrew is the resident nerd among the three of us, where Shane and I, when we reference C.S. Lewis, we talk about Narnia. And Andrew <laughs> references C.S. Lewis he goes to the space trilogy which is that's well like, beyond me that's like knowing the deep tracks on a right <laughs> that's right I'm the C.S. Lewis nerd and the um, chess nerd and I was gonna say, that clearly nerds. you're the one who plays chess if you yeah if you can understand the space trilogy um I think I think it's right I, what you said though is, and it was a helpful analogy um it, God has to be behind it because if he's not behind sin then then We've talked about this before. If there's anything that's over and above or apart from God, then he isn't God. Uh, so I think the confession is just stating, um, it's just making a defense for, for him as sovereign here. Right. That's, that's where sovereignty will lead you, right? Right. That in, in, in God's providence, ultimately, um, nothing is outside of his control. And this is one of the distinctions we've talked about before with, with uh, theism versus uh, Christianity is that it's not that God has allowed the world to just be created and then he stepped away from it, but he is sovereignly at work in all the actions of the world. Uh, he has his hand in it, which means that um, that he's overseeing everything. Um, and, and, and I do love, I, I like how you tried to draw out for us, Jonathan, at the very beginning, it does uh, speak about God's character, especially uh, his power, his wisdom, his goodness, mm -hmm. that, that this, uh, overseeing all things, his having his hand uh, in all things taking place in the world is uh, it, it's not going unnoticed by God. He is very active in it, uh, but that his very character has uh, caused him to orchestrate the world in such a way, in such a way that is happening now. Um, think of the wisdom of God. Wisdom comes when we have uh, we take the knowledge that we have, we make the best decisions that we can. Uh, with that knowledge. Well, if God is all-knowing and has all the knowledge, uh, then in his wisdom, he has made the, the best path forward that brings him the utmost glory uh, to his name. Um, Goodness is the difficult one, though, right, for us. Mm, how can it yes. be? How can we say that sin is good? How can we even make that claim that uh, sin could be a good thing? What, I mean, and that even sounds wrong theologically. I mean, I think some you know red flags should come up. We don't, in a sense, we don't want to say that, that sin is good. And yet the confession does say God's goodness is a part of what causes sins to take place. So how do we wrestle with that? What do we, what, you know, a parishioner comes and says, you know, I don't even know what to make sense of this pastor, that God's infinite goodness extends even to the first fall and other sins. And what, what do we make of that? How, how do we answer that? Well, I, I think it's, oh, go ahead, go ahead Andrew. Well, I was going to say, I appreciate that the confession speaks as scripture speaks, um, you know, and, th and that's what we're doing here is we're acknowledging both these things, that there is evil, 
uh, and that God is sovereign and that God is not the um, author or approver of sin, as the confession says at the end here. Um, and uh, I think Genesis 45 is a great illustration, you know, a lot of great material with Joseph, but uh, just listen to, to how this statement goes. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. So right there, they're active. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine had been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. And it says again, you know, God made me Lord and of Egypt. So it's that amazing uh reality where scripture speaks both these ways that uh these human beings were active in their sin and so i think one way to think about it is that the evil comes entirely from the creature side uh you know the, these men did something that was evil god wasn't doing anything um the, the goodness comes from god the evil yeah. comes yeah. from the humans could i just add to that maybe that a helpful uh category is to think of in terms of intention which you know the the genesis 45 is a really helpful kind of um, explication of the much simpler Genesis 50, what you intended, intended for evil, God intended for good. Um, Joseph was kind of preemptively explaining that for us, what, what that looked yeah. like in his life. Um, but, but when man and angels sin, our intention is evil. Our intention is to violate God's commands. Our intention is to rebel against his lordship. So our intention, our purpose for sinning is wrong. Um, but God's intention for allowing sin, um, not authoring it, but for allowing it, is never evil in that sense. His intention is not to go against his law, his commandments, or even to subvert his own lordship. Rather, it's the opposite. It's to somehow, it's, to mis- it's a mystery, right? We'd want to say it's a mystery, but somehow these things will work out, Romans 8, uh, for our good, showing his goodness. And, uh, and as Shane already said, for his glory, too. So, um, the intention that God has behind uh, his permission of sin is completely different than our intention as we actually commit those sins. I think that's yeah. a really, really helpful. Um, Good. Well, I mean, <laughs> Robert Shaw, uh, he, he wrote a confet- uh, he talks about distinguishing between the action itself and the quality of mm. uh, what he's trying to do there, or what he is explaining there. He's, he's making a nuance to say that, um, you know, God oversees the action, but that doesn't necessitate that he is also responsible for the quality, meaning what you were describing, that yeah. the actual sinfulness uh, or the intention of the heart of the, the one committing the um, you know, and, and we have this tension that we were feeling in this particular uh, confession, um, really of two scripture texts. One is in James chapter one, where it tells us that no one can be tempted by God. God isn't the one who leads us into sin. Uh, the action of our, or the quality of our sinfulness does not come from God. Uh, but then you go to, you know, Acts chapter two, and uh, the, the, the greatest sin ever committed in this earth where Jesus Christ is uh, crucified. And verse 23, it says, this Jesus delivered up according to the definitive plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Meaning that, this, this 
action itself was exactly what God had foreordained from before the foundation of the world. Yeah. Uh, I think so, that that Acts passage is perfect to, to lead us into the next um, clause of this uh, chapter, which says, just after saying that God's power, wisdom, goodness extended sins, and then says, um, but this, not by a bare permission, but such as hath joined with it a most wise and powerful bounding and otherwise ordering and governing of them, these sins, in a manifold dispensation to his God's own holy ends. That that line, most wise and powerful bounding, ordering and governing, that's Acts 2, and it says the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So I love what the convention is saying here. It's when we say that God permits sin, it's not the idea that he just sits back and is passively letting it happen, right? That's what it says when it that's what it means, don't you think, when it says not by a bare permission? Yeah. Right. But it's that he's actually behind them <laughs> and permitting them for, for a purpose. Um, anything Yeah, you guys want to say about that section here? Well, just that, you know, practically speaking, the implication of what you were just bringing out of the confession is evil can't get out of hand. You know, we think evil is so out of hand. And yet this is a reminder that God bounds it, um, you know. Things look so fearful, and we see evil, we see injustice, um, and yet this is a reminder that God is not going to let it get out of hand. That He's, yeah, that well it, and like you you said, otherwise that's more powerful than God. Um, I, there's also the the reminder in here that again from Acts two, which Shane quoted, that God's definite plan and foreknowledge, um, which permits and purposes sin and evil culminates in the death of his son. So um, we don't want to just kind of glibly say like God, God permits it, God allows it as if it's no skin off his nose, no big deal for him. Um, This is, this is how much he controls evil as Andrew was saying. This is how much he cares about the direction of the world that he would uh, permit evil, um, permit an evil that would only be overcome through the death of his own son. And he knew that from the beginning. That's a, that's yeah. a sound. Um, there's one final clause here, which we could take up now, which is yet so as the sinfulness thereof proceeds only from the creature and not from God, who being most holy and righteous, neither is nor can be the author or prover of sin. What do we want to, what do we want to say about this final section here of this well, paragraph? I think we kind of elucidated on it some, um, but I think, I think what we do need to recognize is that uh, at the end of the day, yes, God has his hand on everything. He is involved in the provident, however, uh, whatever actions take place and other things fall out. Uh, he knew it beforehand. He sovereignly ordained it. Uh, he has his hand involved in it. Uh, and yet we still will wrestle with the reality that man is sinful. Uh, and that we have hearts that rebel against him. And we ask the question, how is it that, how is it that we can um, hold these two truths in tension uh, or in tangent? I, I think, you know, we, we, we discussed this briefly, um, perhaps earlier, but the, there is a sense of mystery, um, you know, that we, we can't, we can understand it cognitively at some level, but there is a sense that uh, we can't, as humans completely wrap our minds how it is that God is uh, even sin in this world. I do think of, you know, there have been sins that I've seen in my life that I wonder, how is it that God is using this for his glory? Uh, And yet, 10 years down the road, I look at it differently than I did right in that particular moment or trials. um, But we don't have an all-seeing eye. We don't have 
uh, an eye that that can look beyond the current moment we're in. So all I'm trying to say is that there is, uh, I, I don't want us to be too quick to explain it, the, the tension away completely, because there is a missing to it, um, simply from the sake or from the fact that we are here creatures. I like Deuteronomy 29, 29, you know, in, in one way it's a cop-out, but right, the, the secret things belong to the Lord and the revealed things are for you and for your children, you know, that there's a sense in which we we're only given need to know information and how these two things work together, you know, God's sovereignty, not being the author of sin and sin being, you know, evil being a reality, you know, how, how did the devil um, fall? You know, where did his evil come from? Right? Like th these are questions that we don't always have the answers to. So we just go back to what scripture says. And one of the ways that scripture talks about evil being turned for good uh, is in, in our lives and how God humbles us at various times. And that's exactly where the confession is going to go next, how God will um, turn evil in our lives, like Shane was getting at, uh, for good. And sometimes we don't see how he's doing that, um, but the, the confession gives us at least some inclination as to how these two work together. I couldn't, I couldn't hear you. Shane says he doesn't think it's a cop-out if uh... We use scripture, which okay, is good. <laughs> it's a good reminder. Uh, well, uh, Andrew, thanks for teasing um, for us the, the next uh, installment uh, that that took up uh, our time for today because it's it was um, it's deep stuff. But we hope it was helpful for you. Uh, but tune in next time as we'll finish up uh, the rest of the chapter on Providence uh, here on the Good Confession. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Good Confessions podcast. My name is Jonathan Cruz. I'm pastor of Kalamazoo Community Presbyterian Church, and I'm an idiot in Michigan. <laughs> and it's not called Kalamazoo. Okay, blah, 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 blah. you gotta have you gotta include that. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs>